Before I start, can we just quickly pray? Uh, So yeah, Heavenly Father, I thank you um, that we get to meet together uh, like this. I pray that today, through your word, we would have fresh revelation of who you are, how good you are, and how much you love us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So hey, my name's Matt Squirrel. How are you? So it's squirrel as in the animal, an easy one to remember. Um, I've been a member of the community church for... 13 years, which feels like a very, very long time. Um, I've been married to Esther for 11 years. Did I get that right, Esther? 11 years, yes, I got it right. Okay, Uh, I've been a father for for six years. And for as long as I can remember, I have been a very, very, very competitive person. I like to win. And um, the problem with that (laughs) is that it causes behaviours in me sometimes that I'm really, really not proud of. So I've had to make choices about the things I do and don't do um, uh, to make sure that actually I manage to keep some relationships intact. Um, uh, I'm a massive fan of board games. Who here likes board games? Yeah, wicked, cool. I'm in the right church. Um, and, uh, but there are a few board games that are no-go areas for me. Uh, one of the games that I should not play is Articulate. Has anybody played Articulate before? Okay, fine. Well, I'm good at talking, so I'm good at Articulate. Uh, but the problem is, is that I, I don't like to lose. And the last times that I have allowed myself to play Articulate... Um, I have shouted and sworn at what was effectively the vicar's daughter, uh, and I have offended the lady who hosted me and my family for Christmas dinner. So, but I still won. I still won both of those games. Um, it, it brings out in me, um, as I said, some excitement. Uh, something comes over me, um, and it isn't just when I play. It's when I watch... England play, normally the England men's. Uh, so when, when the, uh, the men's Euros came around, um, I began to watch what was going on and the excitement began to build and began to build and I could feel something coming over me that didn't feel very nice. It was the whole articulate experience that I've mentioned. And so I decided that instead of putting myself through that, whilst all you lot were glued to the television, I was wandering around the fields of Stansted Mount Fitchett, listening to the Lighthouse family and Simply Red. That was the choice I made. Um, uh, and, uh, but, but one thing I will say is that I'm not sexist. Um, I also didn't watch the women's football either. Another story for another day. Um, okay. Uh, but as I said, I'm competitive. I like to win um, uh, and I make decisions whether or not I, I should be competitive. But uh, this year um, at work, we decided that we would hold a competition. Aha, my ears pricked up. Um, and this competition was that we would play a game called The Biggest Loser. I don't know if you've ever heard of the game The Biggest Loser, but what we did Uh, was we all put £10 in a pot and we weighed ourselves in front of each other on the 4th of January. Now, I'd put on a few pounds. Um, uh, I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, Can I have some slides up? Here we go. And this is what I looked like at the time. (laughs) Handsome guy. (laughs) And uh, the rules were very, very simple. In eight weeks' time, we would weigh ourselves again And the person who was the biggest loser would be the winner. So there were a few incentives. The first is that I wanted to lose a bit of weight. The second was that there was 80 pounds up for grab. Woo! And finally, someone would be declared the winner. You know where this is going. (laughs) 
So I, I decided um, uh, that I would do whatever I could to lose as much weight as possible. Uh, and so the first thing that I did was that um, I began to fast. And what that means is that I would not eat anything between the hours of 12.30 in the afternoon and 8.30 in the evening. And during that time, I would only eat healthy foods. Everything that was unhealthy was gone. And so chocolate bars, crisps, out the window. Cookies, cakes, out the window. And again, I would look forward to an apple every so often. Um, and the other thing with this particular fast is that I couldn't drink white coffee. And I don't like the taste of black coffee. So I got rid of coffee altogether, which is a massive achievement. Um, and... Uh, at the beginning, I began to get headaches, and I was really, really grouchy. Um, but after a few days, I started to notice that there were other things happening within my body. For example, um, I felt more energetic in the mornings, yet I wasn't eating anything in the mornings, and I wasn't having any stimulants in terms of the coffee. And so I was more awake. I felt myself more productive at work. And th those were expected results. Um, I began to lose weight. I began to feel healthier. And in fact, eight weeks later, you are looking at the biggest loser of Dove and Hawk Property Recruitment 2022. Congratulations. Round of applause. And there's the evidence. Now, those two pictures were actually taken eight weeks apart, but part of the rules were we had to have a photo taken before we weighed ourselves and wear exactly the same thing as we did eight weeks previously, although socks and pants were changed. I will make that disclaimer. <laughs> but there was one thing that, that changed that I wasn't expecting, um, and that was that uh, I noticed what I craved and what I ate and what I tasted began to change. So... For example, um, I, I didn't really want cakes and chocolate anymore. It was too sweet. Like, oh, man, I would have it and my saliva glands would go mad. Um, uh, and, and so uh, I, I really started to look elsewhere for treats. And this is where I discovered dark chocolate. <laughs> so... I love dark chocolate now. I used to hate it. I used to find it really, really dry and really, really bitter. It was horrible. But all of a sudden, I began to find it rich and sweet. So if you want to uh, bless me in any way, the best thing that you can do is buy me a PlayStation 5. Um, if you can't afford that, dark chocolate, that'll do. But yeah, I noticed, as I said, my taste buds began to change. Fruit was sweeter. It was much more pleasant. Um, uh, and again, as I said, chocolate was rich. Olives weren't so salty that I wanted to spit them out. Instead, they were meaty. And so because of a decision that I had made, I'd had expected results and unexpected results that I can now look back on and say, well, yeah, that was great. I'm sure you're thinking, how much weight did you actually lose, Matt? Who's thinking that right now? <laughs> Fact for you, 7.8 kilograms. So again, another round of applause, please. Right, enough about me. Uh, so we've been going through a series looking at the Gospel of John, uh, and it's a series called Choose Life. And we had Ollie come and speak to, her, speak to us uh, at the beginning of this series, um, and he uh, said that uh, we should do what Jesus tells us. We should choose to do what Jesus tells us. Uh, Beth came up, and she said um, that we should choose to be attentive and secure in the Father. And then Nigel last week came to speak about how we should choose 
to honour God in the decisions that you make for him. And today I'm going to be talking about choosing to keep his commands and how that empowers us. If you want to follow along, I'm in John 14 and I'm reading from 15 to 24 from the ESV. Um, Before I read this and to give you a chance to grab your Bibles, um, I want to give you some context. So what's going on in this particular passage is that um, Jesus and his 12 disciples um, are in an upper room having the Passover, and it's about 10 hours before the most important event in the history of the world will happen. That is the death of the Son of God in place of sinners so that we may be free from the wages of sin and enter into relationship with God, seen as blameless and righteous in Christ. The most important event in the history of the world. Now, these disciples that Jesus is eating with, have spent three years in the presence of Jesus. They've seen his miracles, they've heard his teaching, and they've seen the way that he's modelled doing life. And now they're frightened, and they're worried, because Jesus has repeatedly told them that soon he's no longer going to be with them. What do they do? So let's read. This is John 14. Verses 15 to 24. It says, There we go. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, And will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father. And you in me. And I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. He It is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. In that passage of scripture we just read, it brings up loads and loads of questions. Um, But I want to investigate three in particular. Number one, what does it mean to love Jesus? Two, What are these commandments that he's talking to these disciples about? And three, what is promised to those who love him? First thing for us to note when it comes to loving Jesus. Loving Jesus is not the same as obeying Jesus. It is not the same. It is the source 
of obeying Jesus, but that comes from loving him. He says it four times in that passage we've read. Verse 15, if you love me, the result is, you will keep my commandments. Verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, the source of that action, is he who loves me. 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, the result is, he will keep my word. And 24, whoever does not love me, the result being the reverse, does not keep my words. And so keeping Jesus' commandments is a product of loving Jesus. It is the fruit and not the root when it comes to obeying him. And the trouble is that many Christians can get this mixed up. They get it the wrong way around. And instead, they turn love for Jesus into a list of things to do. A list of rules. There's a word for that. It's called religion. In the Latin, it's pronounced religio. And it means to be obligated or to be bound to something. In this case, rules. So obeying him is not the same as loving him. Secondly, loving Jesus is not the same as the way that God loves us. If you have still got your Bibles, can you jump to Romans 3, 23, where it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Later on in Romans 5, verse 8, it says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if we jump back to John, which our main passage is from, it says, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, Jesus loves us in spite of our sin. We don't deserve anything from God, and yet he chooses to love us. And it's only by his grace and his love for us that we can come anywhere near him, that we can stand and sing these worship songs, that we can call him father and he calls a son or daughter. You see, our love for Jesus is not the same as that love that God has for us. He is blameless. He is righteous. He is sinless. Amen? And we are to love him in spite of nothing. In spite of nothing, we are to love him. John Piper puts it this way. Loving Jesus, it's desiring him because he's infinitely desirable. It's admiring him because he's infinitely admirable. It's treasuring him because he's infinitely valuable. It's enjoying him because he's infinitely enjoyable. It's being satisfied in him because he's infinitely satisfying. And I wonder if your taste buds respond to Jesus like that. Is he your treasure? Is he your enjoyment? Is he desirable? 
Well, does he taste plain? Like brown pasta or brown rice? What does it mean to love Jesus? It's to recognize him for who he truly is and declare it. I've messed up my PowerPoint. We'll just go through that. (laughs) Question two. What are his commandments then? So if we go through the Gospel of John, and that's the text that we're looking at, and we pick out all of the commandments and moral teachings that Jesus gives us, we get a list of the following. Are you ready? Do to others as I've done to you. That's a good moral teaching. Agreed? Love one another as I have loved you. That's a tough one, but it's there. And then this one. Feed my lambs, tend to my sheep, feed my sheep. That's to Peter at the end of the gospel. There's three moral commandments that Jesus gives us in the gospel of John. They're tough. They're tough to hear. They're even tougher to do. But those are his commands. However, if we go back and we read the whole of John, and we read it cover to cover, and all of the commandments, not just the moral teachings, this is what we find. And you're going to have to be quick. We're going to keep up. We've got to keep up with this. Receive me, 112. Follow me, 143. Get up. Take up your bed and walk, 5.8. Believe in he who is sent, 6.29. Lazarus, come out, 11.43. Believe in the light, 12.36. Believe in God, 14.1. Believe me, 14.11. Abide in me, 15.4. Abide in me and ask whatever you wish, 15.7. Abide in my love, 15.9. Receive the Holy Spirit, 20.22. The dominant commands from Jesus here are, receive me, come to me, follow me, believe in me. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If his commands are overwhelmingly to receive him, to come to him, to remain in him, it makes perfect sense that if you truly know who he is, if you truly love him, You'll do exactly that. You'll want to do exactly that. But it hangs on one thing. Whether he's become your treasure. Whether he's your trustworthy saviour. You see, if you're a Christian here today, there would have once been a time where Jesus, Jesus looked perhaps unappealing, bland, Plain, raw, sour, so salty that you wanted to spit him out. But something changed. You made a choice to try him, to investigate him, to say yes to him. And that saltiness turned into bold flavour. There was a meatiness to him. In the same way, when you said yes to him, the idea of spending time with him may have felt difficult. There may have been other things that looked more appealing, tasted better. Maybe some of the things that he said 
tasted bitter. When he said things about the way that you live, the choices you make, the lifestyle you lead, maybe that was bitter. Maybe that was sour. Maybe that was sharp. But as you followed him more, as you trusted him more, as you received him more, that bitterness turned to sweetness and richness. So if we truly know who he is, we want to spend time with him and we trust him and we follow him and we choose to obey him and all those other things that take our attention, they begin to be the things that taste plain and dull. And so what is promised to those who love him? Again, if you've got your Bible still, we're sticking in that passage, John 14, 16. It says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Well, what's a helper? It's someone who helps, right? (laughs) Simple. The helper that Jesus is referring to is the Holy Spirit. And he's named in the next verse, in verse 17, even the spirit of truth. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And that means that his primary way of helping is to reveal truth. The truth of who Jesus is. It helps reveal just how amazing he is. It helps us to recognize, or he helps us to recognize, what a treasure Jesus is. In verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Well, what do orphans need? They need a father, a mother. They need guidance. They need protection. They need empowering. And that's the other role of the Holy Spirit. And in the passage, Jesus is preparing his disciples, and as we read it, preparing us for a life without him physically there. He will no longer continue his ministry as he had been doing for the previous three years. Now, Jesus says that he's going to reach the world another way. He's going to reach the world through those who love him. It's tough. It's tough. It's a big call on us. Nigel explained really well that living the Christian life is tough. Honoring God is tough. If you weren't here, go and ask him. He's the guy sitting down there making lots of notes. I promised I'd point him out. And we need help. Jesus answered Judas, not Iscariot. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. That word home or dwelling is used one other time in the Bible, in the original, in the original language. In verse 2 of the same chapter of John, I'm going to read you verse 2, 3, and 4. My father's house has many rooms, dwellings, homes. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place to you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. 
What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about heaven. He's talking about a home in heaven. And so I'm going to paraphrase what Jesus is saying here. If you love Jesus, you will recognize him as delightfully delightful. You will want him more. You will spend more and more time with him. And you will receive a peace of heaven on earth in you. Wow. <laughs> For all the visual learners, I'm going to draw a diagram. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He came down to earth. He died a sinner's death in our place. He rose again after three days to show that he was God and to show that he had defeated sin and death so that whoever believes in him too can have eternal life. And when we recognise that, God loves it. So much so that he sets up a home in us. And when we receive heaven in us, it's reciprocal. God loves it even more. And from that overflow, that is how Jesus intends to reach the rest of the earth. So what do we do with this? Number one, if you don't know about Jesus, I recommend you taste and see and you investigate who he is because he isn't plain and he isn't boring and he isn't raw. He's amazing. He's beautiful. He tastes so good. <laughs> the second thing, it may be that you have investigated Jesus and it may be today that you want to change your taste buds. It may be today that actually you want to say yes to Jesus. I want to taste and see that you are good. If that's you, I would really, really like to pray for you. In fact, can I ask everybody to close their eyes, please? And if today is the day that you want to receive Jesus in your life and follow him forever, I want you to, to echo this prayer in your heart. Jesus, I'm sorry for going my own way. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong. I want to do things your way now. I choose to put you on the throne of my life. I want to follow you forever. Would you send your Holy Spirit to come and help me do that? Amen. If that's the first time you've prayed this, prayed this prayer, or even if it's the second, third, or fourth time you've prayed it, can I recommend you tell somebody about it so that we can help you to just taste and see just how great doing life with Jesus is? The third thing that we can do, we can ask the Holy Spirit to come and make his home in you. Um, I'm not going to get anyone to stand up just yet, but we're going to pray for that. We're going to ask the, the Holy Spirit to come on you. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, Today is your opportunity. And fourthly, what can we do? 
We can ask the Holy Spirit to change our taste buds to love others. Because you know what? Some people taste rubbish. They taste rancid, nasty. As I'm saying this, there are people appearing in your minds. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to pray for us so that we can help reach those people. And so... Uh, if, you, if someone came to mind when I said that, can you be brave? I'm not going to bring the mic down and make you say who it is. But can you stand up? <laughs> oh, now some of you are getting brave. <laughs> And can I ask um, others that, that are near you to, to come uh, and, and pray for you in a second? Can I have, Sam, can I have you up on the keys? Is that all right? Can you gather around these guys that are standing up, please? And if you should wish, if you would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, and you would know if it's the first time, can I also ask you to stand up as well? And we're going to pray for these guys. So, yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us so much. More than we could ever love you, but we want to love you more and more and more. Lord, I pray um, for everybody here who's standing, who wants to be filled with your spirit for the first time. Lord, would you come? Would you show them how great you are? Would you manifest to them how much you really love them, really love them. Lord, would you move in power, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. And Lord, for those standing where they've got people around them who taste sour, bitter, raw, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would give them a love like the love you have for us. I pray you would break down barriers. I pray you would smash down walls, Lord. <laughs> Help us to see them as you see them. Help us to love them as you love them. Lord, give us opportunities to demonstrate your love. And we know it's hard, Lord, but that's why you do it with us. Help reassure us. Help us to know that you are in us and alongside us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Guys, please carry on praying for those that you're praying with. I'm going to go and have some chocolate.